Today's podcast is brought to you by Blue Canary. The bird has landed on beautiful Bainbridge Island, conveniently located at 499 Madison Avenue. ASE Master Technician Clint Ramsey brings over 15 years of experience, award-winning diagnostic skill, and a desire to reinvent the automotive repair experience. Schedule an appointment online at bluecanary.biz or call them today at 206 206- Four five one four two two zero. Blue Canary is excited to announce their second location is now open in Bremerton. The Blue Canary Bremerton facility has undergone an extensive remodel and is now a safe and well-equipped modern repair shop. They can diagnose the most challenging issues with you their master technicians, and array of advanced diagnostic equipment. They are proud to provide fully comprehensive services from routine maintenance and engine repair to tires, suspension, and air conditioning. Blue Canary has you covered. All repairs are backed with their two-year, 24,000-mile warranty. Hey, today's podcast is also brought to you by my favorite morning drink, Mudwater. Mudwater is made with 100% organic ingredients. They use both mycelial biomass and fruiting bodies of mushrooms to allow them to complete their full growth cycle. No sugar involved in this. Keto-friendly, only five or less carbohydrates. 100% organic, non-GMO, gluten-free, and Whole30. Ingredients include... The best of the best, masala chai, cacao, lion's mane, chaga, rishi, cordyceps, turmeric, cinnamon, and sea salt. You get all the benefits of coffee with none of the jitters or the crash. You can buy mud water in today's story notes and description of the podcast. Support mud water, support the show. Good podcastville. You found the bystander podcast. Today we're talking about end of life planning with Johanna Munson. How are you? I'm doing fine, Tim. Thank you so much for inviting me to your podcast. I appreciate it. The holidays are right around the corner, and um, I've been a caretaker through palliative care before in my lifetime, and it's, it's a very difficult subject to broach. Um, it's a difficult job to have. It is emotional. And I'm here to listen to 
what you have to offer. Well, I'm sorry that you've gone through those hard times. It is an amazing gift to our loved ones to be able to take care of them at the end of their lives. It's not an easy thing to do. It's time-consuming. It's resource-consuming. And if we are able to share that with uh, others in our lives, that's great. But I also was the main caretaker for my father at the end of his life. He died in 2019 um, on Bainbridge at the uh, Madison House uh, mm. Living Facility. And uh, he chose to do VSED, which is voluntarily stopping eating and drinking. He was 86, and he knew that he probably wouldn't have a heart attack or stroke because he was very, very healthy. And so after my mom died in 2007, he was the one who got me started um, talking about end-of-life planning. Um, so I have to give him a, a big shout-out for his courage in doing that. And so... It takes a strong person to say that. I mean, my, my father did the same thing. Oh, that, yeah? Well, not eating, stopping eating and drinking, but to allow... No more chemotherapy and mm -hmm. to let his spirit pass on. And um, it was a long, long process, and he was a very strong man. And mm. yesterday it was five years. Wow. Yeah. And we count those anniversaries. I still know exactly how many you know, days, not days, but years it's been. My mom died in 2007 of leukemia, and that was very sudden diagnosis in mid-May, and she died five weeks later. Um, in the hospital, we never had any conversations about what she wanted. So uh, when she ended up too weak to come home, it was heart-wrenching for my sisters and my dad. He was in shock. Um, we really thought she'd want to come back to the island, be in her living room, be able to see her gorgeous gardens, um, but it just wasn't possible. Mm. Uh, luckily, they were able to move her to a hospice floor, so she wasn't in ICU. Um, but talk about you know, not knowing what to do <laughs> and yeah. how to you know handle that that level of grief when you just haven't talked about what matters, um, and that's why I believe advanced care planning is so important. Uh, it really helps us to be present in the moment. Um, nobody really wants to think about dying, right? It's uh, we have a lot of fears around it, and. For most of us, it's the dying process, right? We don't want to be in pain. We don't want to leave our loved ones. We don't know what comes next. Uh, we might not have any sense of a spirituality that would support us in that. And uh, my dad was one of those. He didn't think there was anything after death. And so uh, I am not of that persuasion. I believe in reincarnation and that there is something because we are made of energy and energy can neither be created nor destroyed. And so I believe when we no longer need our bodies, our souls go back into spirit form, into pure energy. And There's definitely an energy out there. Yes, yes. Yeah. Have you had experiences of your father? No, um, not at all. Mm -hmm. And um, one thing real quick, can I move that microphone a little closer to you? Um, yeah, I don't, my father didn't have... A belief of afterlife and I feel like I'm compost but also understand that by the very nature of it there is definitely an energy um, you can call it a spirit or what have you uh, last podcast I did was 
Port Gamble Paranormal. I just listened to that. Yes, that was fascinating. It, it gets you thinking. Yeah. <laughs> it definitely gets you thinking. And, uh, you know, I, I agree that we don't plan or think about death or we have the opposite. It is in my mind all the time. Death. I know that my father's past, my mother's um, close, you know, in age-wise, you know, not wishing any any ill will on her. But my father-in-law also passed this last year from COVID and uh, complications from it. And, you know, I really feel like I'm in that New York deli and I took a ticket and somebody called my number and I'm not ready to order. (laughs) (laughs) And that's a huge metaphorically uh, fear I have. And it is a, it is a ingrained fear. Yes, and I think a lot of it is anticipating the grief that others are going to feel, recognizing the grief that we feel at the ones at the loss of the ones that we've experienced. And you know, we we need to find ways to address that grief and to not hold it inside ourselves. And so having these kinds of conversations is an excellent way to start. Do you find it Find people reluctant to have these conversations. <laughs> you might say that. Yes, uh, it's. I I love having conversations about the topic, um, and that's pretty unusual in this day and age. Although the death positive movement is growing more and more stronger, there's a. Uh, I call myself an end of life navigator um, because I focus on the advanced care planning part of it. Uh, but there are death doulas out there. We know the term. Birth doula is very familiar by mm-hmm. now, right? So death doula is the same kind of idea where this person will guide the loved one and the family through the process of the actual death. And so you can uh, – I had one we, – we hired a, a woman from Seattle She because I didn't know of any local <laughs> ones in Kitsap County. Now there are several. And so she came over. She helped us create a sacred space in his room. She helped us uh, emotionally deal with the reality of what was happening. Um, she laid her hands on him and did Reiki, that kind of just energy uh, healing to help him through the transition. Because dying is hard work. Um, were you there at the end when your dad passed? Yeah. And my biggest regret was um, I took him to the hospital the final day. Mm-hmm. And his wish was to die at home. Well, you needed the support, and that's... uh, He died like 10 minutes after I took him to the hospital. Well, then that's how he needed to go. Um, My dad died when I wasn't there. Um, My sister and I were with him during the day, um, but he was a private person and and had already said, you know, don't try to be there 24 hours a day. And uh, it was during that amazing snowstorm that we had in February of 2019. And it was so perfect because he grew up in upstate New York. And so February in that area Mm -hmm. would be full of snow. And so... uh, I just couldn't stop the pain for him. No, no, exactly, exactly. And that is so critical to let people go. They need to be out of pain. Um, And yeah, if you don't have the right medications... um, 
even even having them, you even don't have much to good, much to give. Um, I drained the morphine into them, and it was just never enough. No, no, no. And morphine is quick acting, but it doesn't last at all. Um, yeah. So, and you know, some people say, "Well, why you know giving them morphine isn't that speeding up their death?" But at you know, at the point where there's no return. It's a it's a gift to them and to us to ease that pain because until the body can relax, we just can't let go. You don't want to let go. No, no, it's so hard. So the holidays are coming up, and I found it interesting that you thought it might be a good time to talk about it when you get together. Yes, well, you know, often the topics are like football and food and family. Um, yeah, I like those topics. Yeah, well, let's talk about fate. Add another, uh, <laughs> another F, F to there, it, right? Uh, nobody escapes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we don't get out of here alive, right? So, so how do you broach that subject when we're all, um, what do you call it, uh, tripping on? Tryptamine. Tryptophan, right? Tryptophan. The, yeah, that yeah, turkey tryptophan. in us, right? Uh, well, that's a great question because it's not a g- really good idea to just say, all right. Hey, turn off the football game. I want to talk. Yeah, or you're sitting at the table and there's a lull in the conversation and you say, so who's thought about how they want to die? <laughs> okay, no. seriously, how do you talk about it? <laughs> yeah. So if you are the one who would like to start this conversation. No. You're starting it. <laughs> We're having it now. Let's go. All right. I'm putting myself in the position of somebody who wants to have this conversation with their loved ones. And so I might think about who could be an ally, who else in my family group might be open to having this conversation. So start ahead of time, right? Don't just say on your own, I'm going to bring this up. Um, so find someone who you might have a pre-gathering discussion with and just say, I'm thinking, been thinking about this. Um, say why you're thinking about it, right? Maybe you're, it's the first time you've been able to get together in a long time. And so having these, starting these conversations in person is a lot better than doing it over Zoom or telephone. So first find an ally. And second is know sort of what topic you want to start with. So uh, if nobody has a terminal diagnosis and everybody's in good health, um, talk about the possibility of uh, you know somebody you heard about or you're talking about a, a relative right who died. So bring up that you know we all talk about the ones who aren't there at these gatherings, right? And so you know with um, my situation where my dad chose V said, um, I probably wouldn't <laughs> lead with that. Yeah, have you ever thought of stopping eating and drinking as a way to, to, to die? But um, I would say, so my dad knew that he had a very, very strong heart and body. And um, so he was the one who said, you know, I need to talk about this. Um, this was my experience. And have you ever thought about what you might want at the end. He was um, ended up in a wheelchair for the last year of his life. And um, so that could be a conversation. What does quality of life mean to you? What does it look like to you? Yeah. yeah. If, you know, would you be okay going to a nursing home to assisted living? Um, so it's going to shake some, uh, rattle some feathers and, you know, mm-hmm. you know, royal things up a bit. Um, but it doesn't have to take over. And it's it's a, just a start, right? This is one conversation of many that that you can have. You don't have to talk them into it, no. right? Then, no. So, what is 
planning for the end look like? There are several elements to that. Um, my focus is on making sure people have what's called an advanced directive, and it's also known as a living will. Um, the five wishes is a very common document. Um, the Tell me a little bit about five wishes. What does that look like? That It sounds very simple. So it's a form that you can buy online, and it just basically takes you through um, wishes for uh, medical care, um, what do you want done with your body, those kinds of things. The problem is the second wish is not clear if you want to refuse life-sustaining treatment. And I recommend the End of Life Washington document, and it's uh, called the Advanced Directive. Their website is endoflifewa.org, so endoflifewa.org. And just go on there and search for Advanced Directive. And so to me, that's the most important thing to does that have to be notarized or no? It's you free. Can just write it down. It's free. You go. They give like pages of directions. The document itself. You just initial what you want. Cross off what you don't want. Uh, they have a wonderful worksheet called the Values Worksheet, and that's where you get a chance to uh, express what matters to you. Whether it's uh, you know, do I want to uh, have every possible treatment, or would I be okay with just comfort care? And so then. Based on that, filling out those two pages, you can then very easily fill out the advanced directive form. It can be notarized, which is a good idea, especially if you travel, because uh, if you're out of state, uh, it's you know you want to take a copy with you. It just needs to be witnessed by two adults who are of sound mind. And uh, good luck finding that. Yeah, right. These days. <laughs> what it, what happens when you don't have a will? What so, kind of complications does that? Yeah, so there's have. the legal will is uh, all about your property, what how you want it distributed. Um, the living will is about healthcare, medical care. So if you don't have an advanced directive or living will, uh, that can create so many complications because the medical world is aimed at. Um, prolonging life, right? They, they don't want to hasten death and their motto, right, do no harm. They consider dying to be harm when relieving suffering is actually preferable in, in cases when the chances of recovery are small. So not having an advanced directive means that they'll be scrambling to find someone who can speak to you, speak for you. If you don't know, if that person doesn't know what your wishes were, how are they going to know what to say. Right? So having that medical power of attorney that goes along with the advanced directive is important. With a living with a legal will, if you don't have one, it can take a long time for your property to be distributed because it has to go through probate. And in Washington state, it's uh, there's a I think the the limit for estates or the minimum for a state to not have to go to pro, through probate is high. It's like 2.2 million dollars. Not many of us <laughs> some of us may have that much, but uh, so it's a great idea to have a legal will um, and a financial power of attorney. So that's somebody who will make be able to to spend money for you on your behalf if you are incapacitated. Um, if you have dementia, you're going to need somebody to um, pay those bills for you and take care of your um, Losing your mind is really a tough way to go. That is really hard to even contemplate, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. 
Um, so tell me more. How do you actively participate in in this type of lifestyle where you're helping others? So I am mostly active on Facebook right now. I have a not familiar with it. What is that? No, um, you mean the metaverse? They're trying to change the name, and <laughs> yeah, uh, I actually wanted to start being a, a death doula. Um, Almost two years ago, and guess what happened? March of 2020. So I had to pivot to working online. And so I have conversations about this mostly virtually uh, with the vaccination rates going up, especially around here. Uh, I'm looking forward to doing some in-person work. Pandemic death doula now. Have you got that uh, deathdoula.com? Have you bought that yet? (laughs) I think that's already gone. (laughs) The death, the death doula, right? Yeah. yeah. How do you charge somebody for that? Because it seems like just solid advice. I I don't know how you would. I don't know how I would put a price tag on that. And it's obviously something you care deeply about, and that you're well versed in. How does that transfer into being a business? So. I support people in the process of develop, of writing their advanced directives. Uh, and I have a course coming up, a three day workshop coming up in December, um, sixth through eighth. And, uh, when you register, it's, you know, some people can get through the advanced directive on their own. Um, but not many people know that much about the medical system. You've obviously had to go through it. I've had several major surgeries. I had colon cancer when I was 50 and was in, you know. Another uh, thing I got to do, go get my colonoscopy. Yeah, yeah. What the hell's wrong with me? Now I can do every five years, so um, I'm so glad about that. Uh, I had a brain surgery in 2017, and um, so I've been in, you know, near death, not near death, but risky situations where I didn't know if I was going to been there right with you recover or not um, and so for me creating my advanced directive was like oh yeah I know I need to do this but you know lucky for some people they haven't had those experiences and so trying to understand what does it mean to have artificial nutrition artificial hydration um, and it's like tang right when you go to the moon through a tube right <laughs> <laughs> yeah Ugh. Oh, I can I, just picture that orange color. <laughs> I know this is not a funny topic, but I have to deflect with a little bit of humor. Otherwise, okay. I'm just going to be in tears and not ask you any questions. Oh. <laughs> um, what does your death directive look like for yourself? Great. I would love to share that. So I, uh, because I have this vision of um, afterlife reincarnation, I'm not so afraid to die. And so I don't, I, I'm more afraid to be in a coma, to be hooked up to tubes, unable to communicate. And uh, I've talked about this with my kids. They're in their twenties. Damn and, them twenties. <laughs> <laughs> and so they know that um, if I'm in a non-communicative situation when I'm incapacitated, um, it's okay to let me go. I really don't want to be in the hospital. Doctors themselves don't want to be in the hospital. Right? They don't want to be in ICU. They would rather die than be put on um, life support. Well, let's back up to 
Dr. Jack Kevorkian. Mm. Um, some listeners may not know this guy, but he was referred to as Dr. Death Dr. for the Death. Long, yeah. long time. And his whole, he fought the system and was uh, jailed many times for assisting el- elderly people to pass on. Mm. And it was death with dignity in his eyes. But in the court of law, he became a person who was a, a criminal, a, a murderer, and was labeled Dr. Death. Mm-hmm. Unlike the Dr. Death podcast, which I also <laughs> highly suggest everybody <laughs> listens to. Um, since Dr. Jack came onto the scene, and he's long gone now, yeah. um, that's a good story for later, too. Like, mm. how, how, what was his end of life? End yeah. of life. Um, directive and how did he, you know, out of sight, out of mind, I guess. And the news cycle now is a mm-hmm. hundred things uh, per minute. And Dr. Death was the only story back then. What was that? Eighties, nineties. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how did he change the death directive and dying with dignity? And this is a long question. It's multiple parts. What states allow people to have death with dignity now or assisted death? Um, how do I sign up for somebody to put a pillow over my face when it's time? <laughs> well, that is a long series of questions. Yeah, like, remind me if I don't get through all of them. I'm not good at this, but all these things are rushing to my head right now. I know, I know. Once you start, it's like, oh, but I want to know about this and I want to know about that. So um, great questions. So uh, the problem that people saw with what um, Dr. Jack was doing was that it was considered euthanasia. and Which we do to our puppies. Which we do to our pets. I was just going to say, I've unfortunately had to put several down yeah. and it's heart-wrenching. Um, so euthanasia is definitely illegal in the United States. There are some All countries, 50 states. All 50 states. A doctor cannot. For whatever reason, I thought it was cool in Oregon. So there's a, the death with dignity is, and that's slightly different. So Canada, you can ask a doctor to give you an injection, put you, put you down. And, um, they're having a big controversy over that, um, because there's, well, there, there are lots of reasons, but in the U S it's not legal in any state. And there is, um, medical aid in dying is what it's called generally in, in the U S and that's where, a person with six months or less to live has a terminal diagnosis, and they are able to go and meet with a physician. Uh, they have to meet with them twice. In some states, there's like two weeks between, so it's it's a process to go through. Um, and then you get the prescription, and it's the slurry, awful-tasting stuff that you have to somehow force down. But the person has to drink it themselves. It cannot be given to them by um by somebody else cannot be administered by a professor yeah professional so that is legal in 11 states and yes oregon is uh, one of them washington is uh, colorado Um, there are a couple of east coast states uh, new hampshire Um, so um, yeah so it's it's possible to do that in in the u.s and you know for someone with incurable cancer for um, people with copd where it's just hard to you know can't get air um it's it's a valid way to relieve your suffering, and you know some people think it's suicide, but it's it's not. You would die anyway, and so why go through the suffering? In the letter of the insurance law, 
It is suicide, and they don't pay out. Not in the states with with MA, with medical aid and dying loss. Oh, okay. Yeah. What do you think the holdup is? I mean, we already euthanize pets, pets like we said. Mm-hmm. Why can't we choose being of sound mind? Like I, I feel like I'm of sound mind. Many will argue, but <laughs> if I were to take out the directive now and say that I want to have the ability to die with dignity by my choosing at my time, what's wrong with that? What am I, who am I hurting? So without a terminal diagnosis, you're saying? Or if you had a terminal Uh, diagnosis? With or without. It's my choice to live or not, right? Yeah, there are, there's a, there's a big bias against the idea that we can check out whenever we want to. But, you know, we look at the suicide rates. I've had uh, my cousin died of suicide. One of my uh, nephews died of suicide. So I'm very familiar with uh, that. And, you know, some people just cannot um, function in this, in their bodies in this time and place. It's just not possible for them. And I allow them every grace for making that choice. I have no bias myself against people who choose that. Um, it's not seen as as a valid choice by many. Um, this whole sanctity of life thing, right, is to mm-hmm. be preserved at all costs. And, and the mental capacity of someone to live is, to me, that's a valid reason. I've obviously hit a value point with you. And um, <laughs> this is a difficult conversation. And that's why we should have it. Mm-hmm. And... That's why other people should have it. Holding space for you, Tim. Yeah, that's not easy to talk, and I appreciate so much you. Thank you. Diving into this with me. It's not not an everyday topic, for sure. So do you think – oh, let me catch myself for a second. Um Is this something that we need to revisit and talk more openly in public to to change the narrative on it? Um, I mean, you're doing, I don't want to discredit it, but piecemeal work with a small group here, a small group there. I mean, what are we talking about? Uh, electrifying cars, you know, there's a huge conversation. Can we ever get people to quit running away from death long enough to have a, a national talk about this? And if we can't, how can we stimulate that? I think that the national conversation is starting to happen. Um, I, this weekend, there's a wonderful expo going on called the Beautiful Dying Expo. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I attended a Dula Palooza <laughs> there are all kinds of things happening uh, if you Dula Palusa. Dula Palusa. There were hundreds and hundreds of doulas from around the world, uh, all talking about how can we have this conversation. What was the first thing you said? Death positivity. 
Yes, the death positive movement. Yeah, so if you just you know, search. No, I'm hashtagging that hash, everywhere. Hashtag death positive. Yes, it, it's out there. Um, but you really do have to look for it. It's not out there in an everyday kind of way yet. Um, but you know, having conversations like this, there are dozens of podcasts out there about how do we talk about this. Um, Why are you the first person I've ever encountered? If there's dozens of podcasts out there and I'm an avid podcast listener, I guess I'm not searching for this information. Exactly. This is, yeah. This is not a hot topic. Mm-hmm. You know, it's There's not, a great one called end of life university. Um, and was that like Trump university? <laughs> I don't think he has anything to do with DeVry? that. Is this an <laughs> online university? What are, you, what are we talking about here? Yeah. There's so much to learn. It is. It's, you could get a PhD in this for sure. Tell me some more things I need to learn about. Um, Writing my exit script. Well, how do you? What do you want done with your body? That's a great question to to address ahead of time because. Yeah. Are you asking me, or are you just saying that's one of the things? That's one of the things. Okay. But do you have you had any thoughts on that? Huck, so many. <laughs> <laughs> um, of course, organ donation. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like sometimes I don't hear people. I can't see small font, and you know. Inside organs are a little old, so I don't know how much I'm going to help. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea of being a cadaver and having, you know, my ACL and somebody else's knee kind of sounds cool. Mm-hmm. Um, slicing my brain, you know, on a deli slicer like Richard Ramirez, a serial killer, and and having people you know, look through that for scientific benefit, mm-hmm. um, donating my entire body to science for people to practice and hack on um, also floats my boat. But then there's a part of me that when it's resting in peace, mm-hmm. I want to be in a pine box with mushroom spores and return to earth. Yeah. What about you? Yeah, those questions are are challenging because um, the amount that can be learned from studying the body, from reusing body parts, it's incredible. Uh, One note on that, if you do want to donate your body, that has to be arranged ahead of time. You can't just say. Yeah, well, organ donation is ahead of time, right? Yeah, but that's just a matter of checking the box when you get your driver's license. Um, Full body donation, you actually have to find a medical school that will take your body. So... um, I love the idea of being put in the earth, um, my whole body uh, wrapped only in a – I would love a silk shroud. Um, the feeling of silk is just so magical. Uh, my dad was the first one buried in the Green Cemetery part of Hillcrest here on Bainbridge. Um, and whoa, whoa, whoa. Back up. Tell me what that's about. Yeah. Where's Hillcrest? Hillcrest is on Old Mill Road and they are uh, – a conservation cemetery, so there are no headstones. They're all um, just pieces, you know, the placard or something. Pla- well, they're in the ground, so they have you know granite mm. stones and so on. Name but tag. they're just um, they're not tall ones. And in the green part, um, any thing that you use as a marker has to be natural. Has to be like it can be stone. Uh, it can be you can plant something. Um, but it can't have like metal in it, something that won't degrade over however long. And so 
February of 2019 was the first time that they um, opened it. And I have to tell this hilarious story. So remember, it was snowing, right? So my dad died on a Saturday, and we did a, a two-day vigil at his house where people could come and visit us with his dead body there because how many times do we get to actually see a dead body, right? We had no embalming. Uh, the Cook Family Funeral Home was wonderful support in that. And so then... You know, the snow continued that week, and so he couldn't be buried. They couldn't dig the hole until Friday. Um, there was still snow on the ground, and we weren't able to get there because we couldn't you know, drive. Um, but about a year later, I was at the cemetery visiting the site, and um, the funeral director was there, and he shared the story that they couldn't uh, drive their van down the hill at the time, so they loaded my dad on basically a toboggan, and slid him down the hill to his resting place. And I tell you, what a way to go out, right? <laughs> <laughs> Sliding down this beautiful snow-covered hill. Uh, you know, Having been in upstate New York, I, sledding as a child was one of the things he talked about all the time and for his final ride to be down a snow-covered hill. So now every time I go there, there's a new um, – new grave in the green burial part of that cemetery. It's just amazing what uh, so that is a beautiful story. Um why do they define it as green? Is it just everything has to be um compostable? Yes. So in a typical burial uh site you have a concrete vault and then inside of that goes the casket, which can be made of wood or different kinds of metal. Inside that is the body, which is often embalmed with formaldehyde. Um, so this is a major environmental um, impact in a negative way. Who grows up and says, hey, I want to be an embalmer? <laughs> that, just... that takes a different, yeah. yeah. Oh, what was it? Taxi Cab Confessions back on the day in HBO? Yeah. Some embalmer got in the back of the taxi and this was a candid camera type show of taxi drivers and the taxi driver was an actor and he said, Hey, so what do you do for a living? And he's like, I'm retired. Well, what did you do? And he's a bomber. And then you thought the conversation was going to end there. And then the bomber went down just the darkest darkest hole saying that he can't get the smell from maldehyde out of his head um he can't sleep mm. all he sees is death he can't be around people he's miserable mm. and it started out like yeah it's a hundred fifty thousand dollar job you know yeah. and i've been doing it for 10 years and i'm gonna retire and he was acting all like smooth and swank and then he just broke down it was like it's the worst decision of my life to become an embalmer and i'll never forget that episode mm. Yeah, yeah. Tough way. Yeah, it really doesn't do anything, and it prolongs the grief process because when you see an embalmed body, it looks like they're going to get up and they're sleeping, start yeah. talking, right? I remember that at my grandmother's funeral. I, she was never still, and to see her lying there looking like herself, but still. Yeah, I don't want to have funeral either. I like the, mm. the Italian way where we all – Celebrate with food, mm -hmm. and it's a celebration of life. It's not a morning of death. I love that sharing stories, um, talking about all the weird things that person did. <laughs> yeah, it can't be tough though. Some of those, like, glad that son of a bitch is gone, you know. <laughs> and you're like, what? <laughs> not today, Charlie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, the, 
relationships uh, change when somebody dies, right? Or um, that's why you got to appreciate them when they're alive. That is what. For me, that's what end-of-life planning does. It really helps us appreciate exactly what we have, be yeah. much more present. Flaws and all. <laughs> yeah. you know? um, so what's, what's, for you, what's in your future on, on this path? Uh, what do you wish to do? What I would love to do is to work with families to help them all have this awareness of death, to be able to talk to each other, um, know what matters uh, so that they can provide that for their loved ones at the end of, of their lives. Um, and through that, to, like you said, just be present with the people that, that we love, be able to say those things. Um, and I, I want to create a place where we um, – we, we actually talk about this and learn how to take care of, of people who are dying, um, how to be there for them, how to be okay with the fact that we're not permanent in this life. Um, it's a big ask, but that's really what I want to do. Yeah, I think, well, let's just take myself for example here. You know, I feel healthy and fine and young, and I have postponed all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Like I, you know... I can make a decision now and have the right to change my mind later and change that document. Mm-hmm. But there's no document that exists right now of a of a living will for my son or anything like that or what are my wishes? It's it's a guess, you know. And like I said, I, is it science? Is it a mushroom suit? You know, I'm still picking out my choice, right? Well, what happens if I leave Studio 15 here and get hit by a bus? I've put a lot of people in a bad situation, and uh, the time is now. It really is, yeah. And as long as you uh, have capacity, as long as you can speak, as long as you can communicate, as long as you can, you know, wag your finger or blink twice blink, for yes, yeah. um, you know, you can change your mind. It's just when you really can't communicate that you need this advanced directive and it is such a gift to your family for them to have a roadmap to know what you want all right well we shared some moments i appreciate it we did thank you so much tim and uh, it's an honor to be here with you oh that's nice it's real nice um death positive right that's it all right johanna munson um where can people find you uh, so I'm on Facebook. Uh, End of Life Lounge is my group where I talk about all these things. Uh, you got all the cool terms. I End know. of Life Lounge. Well, you know, that's I want people to relax, right? Come and bring you whatever your favorite drink is, and and sit down and have a conversation. That's mud water, uh, and mud you can water. buy. <laughs> I'm just learning about that today. <laughs> you can buy some of that in the link below in the in the podcast details. Well, it's been a pleasure. Thanks, Tim. Thank you. You've been listening to Bystander. Be kind. Wow. Oof.